0: Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peak's downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. That was nice last night. After that video, it was like dead silent. And I, I hadn't thought to bring my books up early. I wasn't ready. It's just like dead silent. I'm back there putting it around. Like, wow, that was really impressive. Uh, so, uh, welcome. My is Mike, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at the Church of Rocky Peak. If you're here for the very first time, want to welcome you. In a few minutes, we'll go into our time of teaching, but we actually have several really important announcements today, uh, kind of more so than the normal, uh, longer than normal. So let me just jump in. First of all, you just saw this screen uh, with Children's Hunger Fund. So if you're, you're new here at Rocky Peak, you may not know this, but about every three to four months, we do a major, we call it Initiative for the Poor, which is where we turn our attention to, to those who are struggling outside of our walls. It may be locally here in Los Angeles, it may be uh, around the world. And so over the last couple of years, it's been uh, digging uh, water wells over in uh, in in uh, Africa, uh, homeless uh, blankets for the homeless here in L.A., food here in L.A., uh, building a church down in Ensenada, farm animals for the poor around the world. And through these initiatives for the poor, kind of over on top, our, our regular offerings, we've given over $200,000 uh, for these initiatives for the poor. On those couple years. And so uh, we are doing a new one uh, that's uh, starting this weekend, and it's this Children's Hunger Fund food pack. And so the way it works is very simple. Uh, what you do when you leave today, if you'd like to participate, out on the, uh, the patio, there's, there'll be boxes out there. Um, and what you do is you take a box. It, it costs about $25 to fill the box with the appropriate food. Inside the, in the box will be a list of here's what you need to fill it with. And it costs about $25. And you, then you job, drop in a check also for 5 bucks for Children's Hunger Fund to help them deliver it. So it costs about $30 a box. You can decide how many boxes you want to get. Uh, but anyway, you go out and fill it. It's a great activity for a family. Then you bring it back next week. And this is going to be food that's going to go to uh, 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 kind of disabled, or not disabled, but uh, kind of underprivileged families uh, right here in Los Angeles. And so when you bring it back next weekend, then, it's when you need to bring it back. And, and all you have to do is just put it behind your car. When you pull in, park, put it behind your car. We'll have a team that comes up and picks those up, all right? So so it's just kind of this one week we're doing it. So, uh, take, you know, grab that and so on. And by the way, if you want to find more information about those, stories that were on the screen. I went on and watched one of them, a uh, the little boy at the end. It's just a great story. You can go on the Children's Hunger Fund and kind of get the whole story on that, right? So so we got on that? Everyone's clear how that works? All right, good. So last year we brought in, I think it was 1,067 boxes, which is worth about $30,000 worth of goods. And so we're hoping to uh, kind of at least do that much or exceed that this year. So kind of as God leads you or whatever, uh, do that, all right? Now, uh, number two, uh, this week was VBS. And uh, we had a great, a great week, uh, 425 kids uh, on our campus, uh, almost 200 volunteers, uh, because it takes two volunteers to handle one kid. And, um, and uh, anyway, so, uh, but one of the very cool things is that, that, you know, this whole culture of generosity that we've just been talking about the last couple of years is kind of pushing that down through our whole church. We've challenged our kids this week to, uh, to raise money for uh, mosquito nets. Uh, for for children overseas, over in the the, the country of Mali, which is in uh, Africa, because ma- malaria is such a problem, and just a simple mosquito net will protect them. You know, one one mosquito net for six dollars can go over four kids at night and protect them. And so we were just blown away because our kids, you know, they're emptying they're emptying uh, they're emptying their piggy banks, they're hitting up their aunts and uncles and so on, and, and they ended up raising over three thousand dollars this week. And so uh, they they bought a. Uh, over uh, 500 nets, mosquito nets, and that'll that'll protect 2,000 kids over there. And so we're really excited about that. Now, the third thing, it's going to take a little bit of time, but um, I want to talk to you about our fall life groups. And of course, you know, life groups are the hub of our church. Uh, It's kind of where the real action is here. It's it's where we take big church and we break it down into small church. And probably a lot of you, if not most of you, are in a group. But uh, I want to have a special announcement, and I I want to give you a little bit of background uh, for it. Uh, about uh, a year ago, uh, I began to found, find in my personal times of prayer with God that a, a new prayer was just kind of welling up in my heart. And it was just so interesting. It's like, it, I don't know where it came from. It wasn't like I read a book. It wasn't like I'd seen a, a, a presentation, heard a podcast, gone to a conference. But just really out of the blue, I, I found in my personal times of prayer, this is prayer welling up inside of me, just a, a new hunger for the lost. God would, the prayer was, God, would use to be me a hunger to reach the lost in a new way? And so it just kept coming back day after day. It's been like that for a year now. And so uh, over uh, last, last of fall, uh, in, in uh, October, we got away for our elders uh, and uh, senior pastor retreat, and I shared it with the guys there, and, and they were just very much, kind of very, it really resonated with them, and just going, yes, this is the next step for our church and unleashing a movement, is, is that we would grow to be a church that's increasingly uh, less and less about us, and more and more about those on the outside who, who don't know. And, and what, wouldn't it be awesome to be a church that's just as really passionate about reaching out to our community? especially for those who don't know Christ, and often we're in relationship with these people already, right? We're in relationship with people, and, and so wouldn't it be awesome if we were just a church that is really building intentionally into relationships, loving people well, and so when they begin to ask questions about Christ or church, about we'd be there to answer their questions and invite them to come and see, and they'd be able to come into relationship with Christ. And so uh, last fall, I mean last uh, spring, I felt like God was beginning to put on my heart to do a series this fall called the assignment unleashing the movement and so so it's going to be a, a it's going to be a series based on this last words of Jesus where he gave us this assignment that to go into all the world and share the message of Jesus and then uh, when people came to faith, baptize them and then teach them how to obey everything that he's taught them. And, and so uh, the, the, the thought is, is that we would be a church that would join Jesus in this mission that he's given us. To, because he said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. That, that's why I'm here. And so we have a church that's kind of uh, joining with him. Now, this is where you come in. As we've prayed about this, we just really feel like God's put in our heart that this fall we would do something we've never done in the seven years that I've been here, is that as a church, that all of our life groups would go through the same study at the same time, that would go hand in glove with this, so that together we could just really pursue God and say, God, would you give us a heart for those who don't know you? Would you make us a church that's not about us, but it's about those out there? And so we're going to be doing a book study, so what we'll do, I'll tell you more about the book later in the summer, but what we'll do is what we'll come. Here we'll gather. We'll, we'll, we'll go through the teaching, and then we'll read part of this book that kind of filled, goes hand in glove with what we're learning. And so, and then we're going to pray that God touches us. It just really gives us a passion for the loss. Does that sound good? Yeah. This is awesome. So. Uh, So uh, we talked to our leaders about that this week, uh, and so just want to let you know as a church as you're making plans for the fall, and especially um, if you've never been in a life group, this would be a fantastic, awesome time to get involved because a whole church doing one thing uh, at a time. And also, I know that many of you, we've contacted you and asked you to pray about being a a new leader or a new coordinator of a life group because we we just believe that we're going to have a greater need than ever before as God continues to grow our church and more and more people are coming into life groups, so if you're praying about that, just encourage you to take that seriously because when we say we need more, we really do, and so uh, we don't want you doing it if God's not calling you, but we just want you to go before God and really ask him for clarity on that, all right? So a lot of announcements today, so we're just going to take an offering and close in prayer at this point, Uh, but no, no, just kidding, just kidding, Uh, so let's stand up, turn cell phones off, uh, say hi to one another, and we'll get ready to go. Well, how are you doing today are, are you are you awake you're ready to go yeah uh, uh, excited to go in this time of teaching if you are brand new uh, uh, welcome again and inside your program is a message note sheet you 'll definitely want to take out and follow along and if you guys are set i 'm all ready to go you guys ready all right let 's pray God thank you so much for what you 're doing in our church and and truly unleashing a movement god we 're experiencing you we 're being transformed by you we 're giving our lives to you people are coming to know you for the first time and And this movement is gathering steam. And so we we pray that as we move into our future, just week by week, that every week you would meet with us, you'd you'd shepherd us, you'd love us uh, deeply, that we could love others, and that you'd teach us what it means to run into our future with you. We pray that today we'll be a part of that in your name. Amen. Well, today we're, we're continuing the series that we started uh, last week called The Power to Give, Jesus, and Generosity. And if you are new here, you're brand new, a special welcome. I always take you just a, a moment or two, a couple minutes at the beginning to, to set this up for those who are new this is a series uh, that's based on a letter from a man that we call the Apostle Paul. He was uh, uh, writing to a church that he'd started about five years before uh, in the southern tip of Greece, modern-day Greece. It was a major metropolitan, entrepreneurial, uh, San Francisco meets, Los, uh, meets uh, Los Angeles, meets Las Vegas type of, of town, uh, city. And, and so he'd started the, the movement of Jesus. Like before Paul came, the message of Jesus had never come, but he brings it in. People come to Christ. A Church starts, he's there a year and a half, and then he takes off to start other churches. But in this, in this intervening time, he, he's writing a series of letters back to them, uh, mentoring them. Here's what it looks like to follow Christ. And we have a couple of those letters, not all of them, but they're in our New Testament. We call them 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And, and this series is based on 2nd uh, Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 as we continue a study, a longer study, all the way through 2nd Corinthians. And so uh, at this point in his letter, the Apostle Paul is really kind of changing gears and moving to a new topic. And so the topic on the table is really what we've called an initiative for the poor here at Rocky Peak. The topic on the table is that the Apostle Paul is taking a major offering uh, for Christians in uh, about a thousand miles away from Corinth uh, in Jerusalem for reasons we don't fully understand. But the early church in Jerusalem, which was, which was all Jewish, was uh, very extremely poor. We're talking like depression-like, subsistence poor. And so Paul just felt like God was putting it in his heart to take a special offering from his Gentile churches that he'd started around the Aegean Sea and, and that area uh, to help support these, these poor Christians in Jerusalem. And so uh, he had actually talked to the church of Corinth about this special offering in the previous year. But then there was this major crisis of leadership that we've often talked about. A rogue leader rises up in the church of Corinth, and the church is really confused. They're not sure if they could follow Paul or not. And so Paul has had to put this offering on hold during this crisis. But if you've been with us, when we get to chapter 7 of Second Corinthians... Uh, Titus, who's Paul's right-hand man, has just come back to town, uh, let, to, to, let Paul know, hey, they're back on track spiritually, and, and they, they love you, they love God. And so now Paul is able to go back to this topic of this initiative for the poor. And so in the process, uh, in these uh, couple chapters, eight and nine, it's just a three-week series we're doing, so what we have is really some of the greatest teaching in all the Bible on what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in terms of generosity and giving our financial resources as a Christ follower. We know that when we come to Jesus, all that we are, all that we have belongs to him, and so he wants to use that to extend his kingdom. What does it look like to follow Jesus in this area? And so we started that last week uh, at, the, at the first part of chapter 8. Today, uh, we're going to continue that, but before we jump in, uh, I want to go back in time to about the previous year when Paul was first writing about this, and he gave his very first instructions to this church on how to go about uh, this giving project. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and there in your note sheet There's a section called Paul's First Instructions, Simple and Systematic, and I want to go back and pick up what he first told them a year before, and then we'll jump back to 2 Corinthians and talk about what his new instructions are. So here we go, 1 Corinthians 16, we're just going to read the first couple verses, but Paul says, now, about the collection for God's people. And so he's changing the subject, and and the topic on the table is now uh, this this offering for the poor in Jerusalem. That's what he's talking about. And he says, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. So the Apostle Paul had, by this time in his life, started many churches around in the ancient world. Uh, The region of Galatia is like modern-day Turkey. He had started many churches there. And so what he wants the Corinthians to know is what I'm about to tell you about generosity and giving. It's not just for you. It's kind of standard operating procedure. This is what I'm telling all the churches uh, to do. And so now comes his very simple and systematic uh, instructions. He says, uh, on the first day of every week, so what's the first day of every week? Sunday, good. Last night, they struggle with that. Uh <laughs> And someone said Saturday. It's like, just because you come on Saturday doesn't mean that's the first day of the week. Okay, so on the first day of every week, yeah, yeah, it's Sunday. And, of course, uh, this is significant because in the early church, they, they began to worship uh, not on the Sabbath like, like the Jewish people had always done, but on, on Sundays because it was the day of the resurrection. And, and Jesus is the first step of the new creation that's coming. And so they would worship on Sundays Uh, on the day of the resurrection, not on Saturday. So he says, on the first day of the week, um, that uh, you should, uh, uh, each one of you, notice that, it's like no exceptions, each one of you should set aside a sum of money, and then he says something important, he says what? In keeping with his what? Income, all right, so it's gonna be proportionate giving, uh, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So Paul says, hey, they, you know, I've talked to you before about this this offering. You already know about that. Uh, but he says, here's what I want you to do. Uh, I'm heading your way soon. And so I want you to, uh, on the first day of every week, uh, every one of you in your church, I don't, you know, some of you are poor, some of you are rich, whatever. But every one of you set aside kind of a regular uh, systematic uh, set of income. Uh, put it aside so that when I come, then this money will be ready to go for this offering. Right. So that, that's the very first instructions that he gave. Gave them in the previous year. Now we're fast forwarding ahead. Now we're uh, the next year, and it's 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In the meantime, there's been this crisis of leadership. It's now been resolved, and so he's getting back to it. So let's flip to 2 Corinthians 8, and we'll pick it up in verse 10. And this is where we left off uh, last week. So last week, he started, gave him some uh, basic principles about generosity and giving, I gave him some examples, and then uh, now he's getting very specific. So he says in verse 10, he says, here's my advice about what is best for you uh, in this matter. And so I want you to note that. We'll come back to this today, but, but uh, the Apostle Paul is about to tell the, talk to them about money. And, and whenever a pastor talks to his flock about money, it's always sensitive time, right? It's, just always, it's always a sensitive topic. And, and what he wants them to understand is that the Apostle Paul sees himself as their spiritual father. Right? So, so he's the one who brought him to Christ. And we've seen this throughout the letter that he loves these people deeply. He's very passionate about them. And so what he wants him to understand is I'm about to talk to you about generosity. I'm about to talk to you about money. But I, you need to understand this. this is not about me. This is about you. I, as your spiritual father, uh, I want to talk to you about generosity because this is truly what's best for you. Okay? And so, so I remember, for example, uh, when I was raising my daughters, Uh, that that we taught them about generosity, and and there was really nothing in it for us. It was just about them. It was about uh, them growing to be like Christ, and and we loved them, and so we taught them because we really believed that this was the path to life. And so Paul is doing the same thing with, with his spiritual children here. He says, so here's my advice, what's best for you. He says, last year, so we're going back a year. He says, last year you were the first not only to give, and so When Paul first shared this opportunity, this this initiative for the poor, they were in right away. And right away, they said, yes, we'll begin to give right now. But they also made some commitments to the future, that not only will we give right now, that we will give uh, more in the future. And so he said, last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. So now finish the work. In other words, you made those commitments, now follow through on them so that your eager willingness to do it you know, in the beginning may be matched by your completion of it. So, so I don't know if you've ever had this happen where, where God comes to you and he calls you to something. It doesn't really matter what it is, but he calls you to something and, and you're so excited. Maybe, maybe it's a, a message that, that someone's uh, teaching. Maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's your personal time with God. Maybe you're reading the word. But there's something the Holy Spirit just says, this is for you and he calls you to it. Maybe, maybe it's an act of, maybe it's a ministry he calls you to. Maybe it's an act of generosity. Maybe it's a new lifestyle change. Maybe it's a time in his word. And so the Holy Spirit puts it in your heart, this is what I want you to do, and you're so excited. But, but have you ever noticed that, that down there five months down the road, it's six months down the road, that, that suddenly you wake up one day and you, you've kind of gotten off track. That this thing that he asked you to do, you've kind of forgotten it. And so, so this happens to all of us. So Paul is saying, hey, when God first put this in your heart, you were so excited, you made your commitments, now it's time to get back on track and follow through with what God initially put in your heart to do. And so then he says, um, uh, at the end of verse 11, he says this again, but do it according to your means. So second time he says, I want you to give, but again, it's according to your means, kind of proportionate giving. And then he says in verse 12, he says, for if the willingness is there, then the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he doesn't have. And so this becomes a very important principle about generosity and giving that what God asks of us is, is unique to each one of us. And, and so uh, the, the church of Jesus is not like a country club where you have an entrance fee that everyone pays, like the same, that, that is according to our income. And, and this very, the principle is, is that, uh, and we'll talk about this more today, that the way we tend to measure giving is by how much we give, right? It's the amount, how much we give. God measures it differently. He measures our giving by how much it costs us to give. Okay, and so, so the, if the willingness is there, then, then that's acceptable, not, not so much the uh, amount. And we'll talk more about that later. And then in verse 13, he says, Our desire is not that others might be relieved, talking about these believers in Jerusalem, while you are hard-pressed. So I'm not, so I'm not trying to make life hard on you while they've got it really easy. Uh, he says, but that there might be equality. So at the present time, your plenty, like you have plenty right now, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn their plenty in the future, in other words, if you ever were to have a need, uh, will supply what you need. So he says, you know, really, I'm just trying to even the scale. They're, they're really suffering right now. You've got plenty. What, what I'm trying to do is take some of your plenty and meet their needs so they have enough. If, if, the, if the role was ever reversed, it would be going the other way, hypothetically, you know, whether it happens or not. But he says, it's, just, it's just the way the body of Christ works. And then he goes on and he says, as it's written, and he quotes from Exodus. And this is a passage where they're collecting manna in the wilderness, where God's providing manna. And so the quote goes like this, he who gathered much, in other words, much manna did not have too much manna. And he who gathered little manna didn't have too little manna. And so the idea is that that during a time of need in the wilderness, God provided manna and everyone had enough. And he said, that's the goal here in the body of Christ, that everyone would have enough. And we kind of balance the scales. Now, from here to the end of the chapter, Paul is going to talk about the logistics of how we're going to collect and deliver this offering. Now remember, we, we, this is a day and age, there is no PayPal, right? <laughs> the, the, there is no uh, log on to our website and do automatic withdrawals from your checking account. Uh, there's no wiring money. Like the only way to get money from one place to another is to carry it physically, so Paul's going to be taking a large amount of money collected from all these churches 1,000 miles away over a, a dangerous road. And, and so, uh, of course, there's always questions about this. There's questions in the question: Hey, is Paul going to dip into the till? Is, can we really trust him? Uh, and so Paul says, let me, let me tell you what I'm going to do to make sure that all this money that you give gets there. And, and we have the highest level of integrity and accountability. And so from here to the end of the chapter, he just shares his plan. And the plan is, is that he has asked several of these churches that are giving to this contribution to choose a representative, men who are high respected, high integrity, have a long time reputation, that they would choose members of their church to go with him on this journey. And so he says to the Corinthians, he says, look, I'm going on this journey Titus is going with me, you know titus He's, he, you trust him i 'm going we 're taking these other couple brothers from these other churches, and so pretty soon they 're going to be coming you 're going to meet them and, and so what Paul is doing, he just wants to assure their hearts that this offering is being handled with the highest level of integrity and Let me say this that this is so important in the body of christ it 's so important in uh, whether it's a, a TV ministry, a radio ministry, uh, a parachurch, uh, whatever it is, that, that you always want to make sure that when you're giving to something, there's a high level of an integrity to the organization you're giving to. So, like, if you're ever in a church, like, <clears throat> you ever leave Rocky Peak and you move to Arkansas or something like that, and, and, you're, and, and, and you come to a church, right, and they're, they're saying, like, we just need money, and you give the money to me and, and just trust me because I'm God's anointed, right? Those are codes word. You want to that that's code for run for your life, okay? Because uh, in any organization, there needs to be a high level of integrity, checks and balances, uh, accounting principles, audits, things like like that. That you would just that you would feel comfortable and confident that when we give to this organization or this ministry, that it's handled with the highest level of integrity. And so that's really what Paul is doing in his own way in his day and age, is that he's saying, huge offering, we're taking it, several guys going. And so you can read that on your own. Just for time, we're not going to go through that. But I do want to highlight two statements he makes in verse 20 and 21, because they're really important, great principles about integrity and finance. So he says in verse 20, we want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift. He says, So he want, he says, we're just making sure that, there is, that there's no question that this is being handled with the highest integrity. And then he says, for we're taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, Paul knows his heart. He knows he's not going to take a dime from this. And the Lord knows that. And so it's in the eyes of the Lord. He says, but we're taking pains. It's not just in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of whom? And men, Okay, so, so we want to handle this with the highest level of integrity and accountability. And so, so that, that's going to free them up to give generously because they're not really wondering then how this money is going to be used. They have confidence in how it's going to be used. And so, so that's the passage. So we've got these two passages today, 1 Corinthians 16, 2 Corinthians 8, where Paul in both is giving some very specific instructions. Now, last week, if you were here, we started uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and we talked about the, we gave four basic principles about generosity. I call that Generosity 101. If you were here last week, just, okay. This week, we're, we're, we're moving up a class. We're doing Generosity 102. So there in your note sheet, give yourself a hand. You've, you're now graduated uh, to uh, chapter two, two uh, lesson two. But uh, Generosity two, uh, 102, learning how to give. And so in this passage, we have three important principles that Paul is going to add today. They're going to add to the four we had last week. Uh, on generosity, what does it look like to grow as a follower of Jesus, become like Jesus in this area of generosity? So here we go. Number one, the first principle goes like this, the generosity is for our good. Now, Now, we talked about this a little bit last week, but But the first thing Paul wants them to understand is he says, as he comes to this church, he says, you're my people, Uh, I love you, you're my, my flock, I'm your spiritual father, and he says, I want you to understand that as I'm pushing you on this issue of generosity, as I'm challenging you to listen to what God is saying and to respond to it, as, I, as I'm challenging you to, to give generously like these churches to the north we talked about last week, as I'm doing that, I want you to know as your spiritual father, this is for your good. That I, I'm, I'm putting, that this is not about anything else, this is to help you grow. So there in, your, there in for example, in, in chapter 8 and verse uh, uh, 10, Paul says, here's my advice uh, about what is what? Oh, you're not there yet, are you? Eight ten, Chapter 8, verse 10. Uh, here's my advice about what is what? What is best for you in this matter. And this is how he starts the conversation today. Uh, as your spiritual father, I want you to know. And I think it's so important whenever we talk about money and we talk about giving that we go back to this basic principle that that when god comes to us in his word and talks to us about money we need to understand it's for our best this is looking for our, that that he loves us dearly and that really what he's trying to do is change us from the inside out he's trying to free us from our fears about money. Uh, free us from our, you know, our insecurities. Gonna free us from our idolatry. Free us from our greed. Free, free us from our self-absorption to create in us the kind of people that we're really like him. It's always for our good. Like you have kids, right? And there's oftentimes you pour into their lives. You're doing things for their good. You're looking out for them. Like I mentioned, when my girls were growing up, teaching them about generosity, uh, giving. Why? Because it was for their good. It was like that I, I love them. And so Whenever we talk about this in the the Bible, it's so important because here's the thing. Even as followers of Jesus, we often struggle with this issue of, is, is God really good? Is he really looking out for us? And there's times where we really believe that with all of our heart. But there are other times when God asks us to do something very difficult that flows against our natural human nature, that we begin to ask, God, is your... It's just really for my good, and we begin to really, what we would never articulate it, we begin to ask, are you really smarter than I am, right? Like, like are, are you really, are your motives right, and then do you really know what you're talking about? And we would never really say that, but it's the reality. Every time we come to an issue of obedience that we hold back, it's because we don't either th- we don't think he's good or we don't think he's smart. One of the two. It's just the way it is. And so um, there in your note sheet, I put a couple passages. They've just been so powerful in my life. We've talked about them before. But in in Psalm 119 and verse 32, the psalmist is talking about God's word, his commands. and, And he says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart, what? free. And I love this because there's a picture here of often in our life, we don't run in in the path of his commands, right? We, We maybe, we go the opposite way sometimes. Sometimes we walk in the path. We're like, okay, I'll slowly follow you. There's times we're doing better. We will jog in the path of God's commands. Like, I think I'm getting this. But what he's saying is that he has learned and from, from his experience that following uh, God sets his heart free. And so what he's learned is that, that when God tells him to do something, Uh, he's going to run even if he can't see around the corner. Even if he can't see where he's going, he's going to run because he's he's set his heart free. Uh, A few verses later, he says, I will walk about in freedom for I have sought out your precepts. And so it reminds me of this passage I often take us back to as a church because it's so core to, to following Christ. The teaching of Jesus, you remember this, that Jesus said, he said, if you keep my teaching, if you follow my teaching, then you are truly my followers. And then if you do that, you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Amen. Set you free. And so it's so important as we come into an area, and this is not just with money. I think this is a, uh, another area. It's so true as sexuality. Like, like the teaching in Scripture is so narrow in terms of sexuality that, that often, you know, it's like, is God really looking out for my good? And so we need to come back to this basic core and say, hey, let's remember who we're talking about. This, this teaching is coming from our Father who loves us deeply, who died for us his Son to die for us, to give us life. And so it's in that context that Paul says, so this is for your good, all right? So, so let's, let's go on then. Number two. The second principle is that Paul says in these two passages we've looked at that the generosity is both spo- uh, systematic and spontaneous, that, that when you come to the Bible, you'll see two different kinds of giving that, that show up. Certain kinds of giving are, you might call them systematic, that they're like regular giving, Started to fund God's kingdom and to, to, to advance his movement. Kind of regular, uh, uh, ongoing, line item in our budget, regular, systematic giving. Then there's other kinds of giving that are more spontaneous giving. There's a situation where God calls us to give spontaneously. And here's what I want you to catch. As followers of Jesus, that, that, that Jesus wants to grow us in both areas. That we would learn how to be people who are systematic givers, but also people who are spontaneous givers. And, and here's what I challenge you right at the beginning. We'll come back at this point. But I think for many of us, we tend to be better at one or the other. That, that some of us are better at the systematic. Some of us are better at the spontaneous. But Jesus wants to shape us, and so our whole life is kind of patterned in, in, a, in a life of generosity, both systematic and spontaneous. So, so let, me, let me kind of flesh this out. Like a great case study in this is the nation of Israel. That when God was establishing the nation of Israel, that he built, uh, he built generosity. It's like he, he wove it into the very fabric of their, their lives in, in a variety of ways. And you see both systematic giving and spontaneous. So let's talk about systematic. One of the ways, there were multiple ways, but one of the ways that God worked systematic giving into the life of Israel was uh, through what we call the tithe. Uh, now, some of you are longtime believers, you, you understand this. Others of you are saying, like, tithe, is that, how do you spell that? Like, like, how does that go? Because it's the first time you've heard of it. So let me just give you a brief kind of overview. So uh, what God asked of Israel is that they would give a tithe. A tithe is spelled T-I-T-H-E, tithe. And, uh, and, and a tithe, literally in Hebrew, it's a Hebrew word, and it means a tenth. Okay, so sometimes we'll use it in a different way. Like I gave my tithe and I, I put $25 and I gave my tithe, but uh, unless you're making you know, uh, you know, $250 a year, then that's not really it. So uh, uh, a tithe is 10%. And so here's what God said He said, As you go into the promised land, I, I'm going to bless you uh, uh, supernaturally. And so you're, you're gonna, your crops are gonna go crazy, your herds are gonna grow, it's an amazing land, but here's what I would ask of you. I would ask of you that you would give back to me uh, 10% of everything, your crops, your herds, your, your vineyards and so on, Uh, to fund my movement and to help with the poor. And so this was to be brought into the storehouse, being brought into uh, the temple uh, to support the spiritual life of the nation so they have a strong spiritual leadership. And so God said, that really belongs to me. This is not an option. That top 10%, it belongs to me. And you're to give it off the top, and and you're to give it uh, the, the very best, right? And this is a way of honoring me. It's a way of worshiping, it's an act of worship, it's a way of saying I trust you to provide for my future and it, it's a way that, uh, that I, I'll, I'll bless you if you do this. And so uh, catch, this was a big deal uh, this was a ma- This is like with your kids. You're trying to teach them a lesson. You're trying to grow them upright. So God, he, this was a big deal. He says, "If you do this, I will bless you. If you don't do this, I won't bless you. In fact, you'll be under a curse, and financially things will fall apart." Okay, so this was a big part of their national life. And so, for example, there in your note sheet, I put what, what a passage. It's a very famous passage, but ironically, as I was looking at it this week, I realized that I have never taught on this passage in seven years, which is sort of a kind of a world record for a pastor, probably. But um, but but here's like an example of teaching about the tithe in the Old Testament. So let's just walk it through. This this is a time in Israel's life when they were not walking with the Lord in a wide variety of areas. But one of the areas is in regard to their generosity. And so, and when you get to chapter three of Malachi, here's what God says. He says, ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Okay, so, so this is not a good way to start the conversation, that you have basically screwed up your whole history. And, and he says, so here's what I'm asking. He says, I want you to return to me, and I will return to you. Now, quick little sidebar here. This is not what the message is about today. But I just want to say this powerful statement. Uh, one of the greatest statements in the Bible is who God is. No matter how far we run, no matter what we've done, uh, no matter how much we rebelled, there's a promise: return to me, and I will return to you. Uh, it, it is it's a it's a it's a promise uh, without without time limitation until you die or until Jesus comes back. That that when we're off track, and maybe you're here today, and you're just checking out church, and you're just you just, there's a hunger in your heart for God. and You're not sure what to do, but you feel kind of bad about that because you know that you've often been disobedient. You've often been about just this amazing promise. God says, return to me, and I will return to you. And so in this case, though, it was uh, regarding their finances. And so they, they ask, well, how are we to return? In other words, what have we done wrong? And, and then God asks this question. It's really a rhetorical question. and In a sense, it's kind of a ridiculous question, as you'll see in a minute. It's meant to shock them. Right? And so God throws out this question, kind of rhetorical. Way. He says, Will a man rob God? Okay. And, and so uh, if, if you know we're kind of used to this, but if you read it for the very first time, and, you know, God's throwing out the question, hey, do you what do you think about a man who would try to rip off God? Like, what do you think about that guy? You say, Well, he's an idiot, right? Like if you're gonna rip someone up, rip off a bank, right? <laughs> Go for a bank. Uh, if you feel the need to steal, steal something from your neighbor. Uh, if you wanted to, you know, take money under the table at work, but don't rip off God. You've got to be an idiot because God sees everything and he's going to hold you accountable, right? It's like, who would be so stupid as I'm going to sneak up on God? That's, that's the idea. I'm going to sneak up. I'm going to rip him off. He won't notice. And so God just throws this out. Like, will a man uh, rob God? And it's like ridiculous. And he says, but you ask, but, but how? He says, well, how do we rob you? Like, what are you talking about? And he says, well, and God answers, in what? Tithes. In tithes and offerings. Remember, we said that first 10%, and there were certain offerings that were required, certain were not required. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he says, in these regular, systematic things, in, in tithes and offerings, you're, you're ripping me off. And he says, so you're under a curse. So not just, you're not just not being blessed, but you've got a curse going on financially, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. So bring the whole tithe, so not 2%, 3%, 8%, whatever, 9%, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse There at the temple, that there may be food in my house. In other words, that that we can fund the spiritual life of this nation. We'll have money for the sacrifices. We'll have money to keep the the temple repair. We'll have money for the priesthood. We'll have money for you know to to support all these things so we can have a strong spiritual life. And we can, you know, have people songwriters, writing songs, and just do all the things for worship and all that kind of thing. And so, and so then God says, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you'll not have room for it. And this is what God had promised back in Deuteronomy. If you honor me in this, I will bless you. And then on the other side, he says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. I'll kind of protect you financially and the vines of your field will not cast their fruit. And so, so what I'm saying, here's an example is when God's creating a nation, he's, he's raising up, he says, Israel, you're my son. And as he's raising up his son Israel and, and kind of building generosity and the foundation was regular, uh, kind of regular generous generosity through the time, okay? But, but it wasn't just systematic giving. There, there was spontaneous giving. And so, if you read through the Old Testament, there were certain offerings, for example, that were required of Israel, but there are other offerings that were spontaneous and situational, not required. So, for example, what are the offerings in the Old Testament? We call them thank offerings, Right? And so you're praying for something. You're praying for a new child. You're praying for safety in a dangerous situation. And God comes through with protection. Then God says, well, then bring a thank offering. Now, you didn't have to bring a thank offering. But it was a way of, of bringing uh, to say, God, thank you for what you did. So it was over and above the tithe. It was over and above your regular offerings. It was special. Uh, there was other examples in the Old Testament. When they were building the tabernacle. When they were building the temple, when they were repairing the temple, these were times they were special projects and God said, give as, as I lead you. As, as I put it in your heart, give as I lead you. Right? There were other times uh, throughout the Old Testament we're told to give to the poor. And there's many places talking about giving to the poor. And this would be another example of spontaneous situational. It's not like you just put it in a certain bank account, but you give to the poor as needed, right? And so what you see in the Old Testament as God is kind of pattering for us. What does it look like to be a people of generosity? There's systematic giving, but there's also this spontaneous and situational. Now, let's flip to the New Testament, as you move into these passages today that we've looked at, in 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 8, what you see is it's really a combination of these two kinds of giving. Because it's very systematic, right? On, on the first day of the week, uh, every one of you put aside, so a very systematic approach. And yet, in this situation, this is not talking about your regular giving to support the church of Corinth, This was for a special project, was it? It was a situational gift. It was over and above what they would normally give to support the life of their church. This was a special initiative for the poor. So in this one illustration, you have these two principles systematic and also spontaneous kind of wrapped into one. And so here's what I want you to catch. That, that as followers of Jesus, this is what he wants to do. That he, he wants to create in us a, a heart that we would be people who are systematically, uh, regularly supporting his movement as, as Israel did, but also that we are people who are saying, God, what do you want me to do? And here's a situation. Maybe it's in my life group. Someone is struggling, I need to help them. Maybe it's an initiative for the poor that we do here, and God says, I want you to give to that. Uh, maybe it's a relative in your family. Maybe there's a special project we do as a church. But there's times in your life where God will say, okay, hey, here's over and above what you normally do, uh, here are some situational, some spontaneous you follow this, this kind of concept? And so what, what I want you to catch is, again, some of us are, are better at one than the other. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, because I know in my life, I'm definitely better than one than the other, and I've seen this as a pattern, and so I'm going to, I'm going to spell that out in a minute. But before we do that, I want to do just a quick sidebar on this concept of tithing. Because, uh, because whenever you talk on the, on the subject of tithing, the question always comes up from, from, from Christ's followers who are like serious about following Jesus. Like, hey, Mike, I want to honor God with my money. And I read in the Old Testament this tithe. And, and so I've been told that as Christians, we should tithe. Is that an Old Testament thing? Is it a New Testament thing? And does it apply? So I just want to do a quick sidebar on that. Uh, just take five minutes on that. And then we're going to move, move back in this spontaneous thing. Okay, so let's talk about that. Here's the thing. Uh, If you ask the question, as followers of Jesus, should we tithe, as Israel did, what you will find is within the Christian community, I'm talking about people who love Jesus, honor his word, that there will be different opinions on this issue. And so, on the one hand, you will have people... I'm on a new medication that dries me out for this throat thing. and uh, It's not working, by the way. But anyway, uh, all it does is make me gain weight... Uh, dizzy, really dizzy, and really thirsty, which is awesome as a pastor because it means you get bigger, you fall off the stage, and you're thirsty while you're doing it. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, 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 sidebar to the sidebar, right, yeah. So anyway, if you, if you were to ask, uh, uh, you know, there would be some who'd say yes, and, and they would have a very good case for this, right, because they would point out that this concept of tithe was pre-law. It didn't start with the law. If you go back to Abraham, you go back to Jacob... Uh, you'll see this, this principle that they're offering a tithe to God. And so, so uh, and then, and then when, by the time Jesus comes along, this is very entrenched in, in Jewish society. And Jesus commends the religious leaders. It's the one thing that he commends them for. So I think it's in Matthew 22, where he commends them and says, hey, you know, you, you tithe. He says, man, you got it down to, your, you're tithing your herb gardens. You're so much the tithing. He says, he says, that's great, uh, but you, you've kind of forgotten the more important things. And he kind of lists out some other things. So, but he does commend them for that and so there are many believers who say like what more evidence do you want I mean we've got we've got Abraham doing it before the law you've got the law we just read in Malachi how important you've got Jesus affirming for it like what more teaching do you need I mean the tithing is it's clear as believers we should do that right and so it's often taught that way There are other believers that would say, wait, but time out. If you look at the New Testament, that's the only time that Jesus talked about it. There's nothing else in all the New Testament about tithing. And so what we see in the New Testament is more of a uh, kind of this this process of go to God, pray to him. You have the Holy Spirit, give as he leads you. It might be less, it might be way more, but kind of give as he leads you. And so you can kind of make arguments for for both sides. But I think for me, as you, you bring it all together, Uh, what what I'd say is that it seems clear, I think both sides would agree with this, that as followers of Jesus, that he wants to transform us so that we would be more like him, and that means bottom line is we would be more generous than Israel ever was. Because if God required of Israel that 10% before Jesus came, If he required the 10% before we knew how much God loved us and the price he was going to pay in his own blood to rescue us, if he required that 10% before uh, the Holy Spirit came to transform us from the inside out, it's really hard to believe that he says, okay, now that all that's happened, forget the 10%, give me two and you're good, right? Because it it doesn't speak to the whole issue of how he's transforming us, right? Right? And so, so what I always encourage people to do, I, I'll tell you this, in, in my own life, when Lynn and I were uh, 20, we were uh, in our 20s, uh, it was before I was on a church staff, so I, I, was just, I was just kind of part of this church, but as we prayed early on in our marriage, what do you want us to do, God? And, and so I've been raised with this concept of tithing, and specifically, God, do you want us to do that? We really felt strongly, God said, yes, this is where we want you to start. And and I think just a general rule of thumb, if we're serious about following Christ, it's a great starting point. It's a great place to start. And then we just kind of listen where we go from there. But when people come to me and they ask, Mike, what should I do? I always say this, go to God. Do exactly what I did. Go to God and ask him and then do as he leads you. And honestly, if you come back to me and you say, you know, I really felt like he he wasn't calling me, but I I prayed, I really felt like it was this much a month or this much a thing. I'm going to say, God bless you. Because as your pastor, I'm always going to push you back and say, go to God, ask him, do what he tells you to do, right? But what I'm saying is, I think as a rule of thumb, chances are, he'll say, yes, it's a good starting point, because this is, he wants to create this generosity in our life. And the reality is, if we're giving very little to his kingdom, our, our heart will be very little in his kingdom. Because Jesus said that where your treasure is, there will your heart be, and so if we're sticking 25 bucks in the plate every week, you know, and we're making 50 grand a year, whatever, like this, it's not a heart issue. We're, we're giving, we're paying more at Starbucks uh, every week on our coffee than we are to kingdom. And so what does that mean? It means that our heart is more into Starbucks than into Jesus. And so the, the reality is, is that if we're open and listening, that yes, he will speak to us about this. And I I love this. The last time we did uh, a capital campaign, a couple years ago, we went to that Freedom Fund. I love this because I taught this principle then. And I'm telling you, uh, uh, go to God, ask. what. And time after time, people would come and say, it's the weirdest thing. My wife and I have been praying. And we came up with the same number. And it's like, of course you did. Of course you did. (laughs) Because there is one Jesus, and you're both seeking one Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is alive, and he will lead you. And so uh, here's what I'm saying. I I don't need to come and say, here is the number, hit the number. Here's the percentage, hit the percentage. I can teach you kind of context to help you understand the decision. But I totally believe as a church, if we will go before him and give our lives to Jesus and honestly say, what do you want? That he will lead us, right? And if we do that, we'll be in great shape. We'll be in great shape. And we will grow spiritually and we'll have everything we need to do to accomplish. And so, so, okay, that's sidebar. Now, Now back to this principle. So, so, uh, so, God calls us to give both uh, systematically and spontaneously. Now, here's the challenge, and this may be the money point for, for several of us here. My experience has been is that for many of us, we tend to be better at one or the other. Like, like for example... I grew up in a Christian home. I had parents who tithe. From early on, that was a concept. In my 20s, as Lynn and I were starting off, uh, uh, we, we sought God. She didn't come from that background, so that was kind of hard for her to get her hands around. Woo, 10%, that's a lot. But uh, anyway, as, you know, she, but she, she had a heart for God, and so we came before him. And, and so when he said that 10%, it was very easy for us. It was not easy financially. We, we didn't make much money. But conceptually, it was easy, Right. But here's something. But over my life, I never received, growing up, hardly any teaching on generosity in general or on giving to the poor. I, I didn't get that. That like in our church, ne- there was no there's no teaching on that. And so that was kind of outside of my framework. And so in my life, the concept of of regular systematic giving has always been strong. But where Jesus has had to grow me, and I'm praying He'll grow me more, is in this area of generosity, spontaneous. You see, there's just kind of responding to special needs or things that God. And so, there's several of you. Honestly, there's certain people in this church. I can think of three or four right off the bat that have the gift of giving. They're extremely generous people, and, and I. And so, they are models for me. Like right? I'm catching up to them in, in that area of my life. Does this make sense? Okay, but there are other people that are the opposite some of you are exactly like that you're long time tithers you got this you got this teaching young Jesus taught you young you got this you're good to go you would never consider not tithing for example like in my life I mean you could just like you know put a gun to my head I'm not going to stop that this is like this is serious business, in fact, honestly, in my life, uh, if I were to ever think of stopping that, unless Jesus came and said to stop it, uh, honestly, I would get extremely nervous. I would expect my life to be in falling apart, like Malachi said there, because not because God doesn't love me, but because he does and he's going to discipline me in that. and so I, I would honestly be afraid i 'd have the fear of the Lord to mess with that area of my life. I would not mess, just so trust me, I would not mess because I think I would come under discipline and judgment, and there's several You who are like you've got that piece, right? You've got that piece, and we're there, but but maybe not so strong on the spontaneous. There's others of us here are incredibly spontaneous, generous givers when it comes to, and so often these are people you have a heart of mercy of a mercy heart, and so when you, when you see uh, poor children in Africa, so you're quick to pull out that checkbook, when there's a special initiative for the poor, you're not just going to do this or the what. you're going to give extra to that, uh, when, there, when there's a, a special project that's happening that captures your heart, you're going to give generously, and so you're awesome in that spontaneous area, God's blessed you, but for whatever reason, you've never developed this pattern of systematic regular giving. And so the reality is that you come here, for example, this is your church, you love this church, but really, others are really paying the bill for your experience here. Like, others are carrying the freight, because you just never thought of it that way, you've never had teaching on that. And so what I've found as, as, as a follower, of, as I've, I've been a pastor, is that some of us are really strong on the systematic, but we need to grow in this just spontaneous generosity, Others, it's awesome, the spontaneous generosity, but we've never learned to kind of bring the regular tithe in. you see what I'm saying here? Does that make sense? And so, so as followers of Jesus, I think what it means is we come to him and we want to transform him so that our whole life has this fabric of giving, just like in Israel. You have the tithe, you've got the giving to the poor, you've got giving to projects, special things that God calls you to. All right, So that would be the web, the, kind of the fabric of our life. Now, number, uh, number three. The third principle that Paul lays out is that giving for the Christ followers should be proportionate. And he says this several different times in his teaching, a couple times here in the passages today, that we come before Christ as Christ followers that we're not all called to give the same amount. It's not like a country club, like I said later. It's not like a Kiwan or certain dues that you pay, that, that we're, all, uh, we're all to give according to our means. And so Paul lays this out In 1 Corinthians 16, I put it there on your note sheet just to save some time because I knew I'd be running out, which I am. Um, Here we go. On the first day of every week, uh, what's what's he say next? Each one of you. Can we say it together? Each one of you uh, should then set aside a sum of money in keeping with his what? So two principles stand up. Each one, everyone participates. Secondly, it's in keeping with your income. And so this is important Because I think when it comes to giving, that often we can have excuses for not giving. And and so often they're situational. I'm in college. I'm still kind of paying my bills. We just had our first child. Money's tight. Our kids have braces and we're saving for college. Uh, our, Our kids just left. We're saving for retirement. There's always a reason. And so Paul says, Paul's writing to a church that's both rich people but mostly are poor. And he says, look, everyone, I want you to give. You might be a lot, have a lot, but give what you can. Everyone participates. In the body of Christ, it's important for ownership. It's important for the kingdom. It's important in the unseen realm. Everyone participates, right? And then secondly, he says that it's in keeping with his income. So it's a proportionate. If you look at the next verse, now, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion. And here it comes again, according to your what? means same principle and so if you stop and think about it this is the principle of the tithe right the, the principle of the tithe was that according to your means in other words if you make 20,000 a year you're going to give how much that year okay good took a little while All right okay welcome to your sunday uh, right like like if you make 50,000 a year 5,000 right 100,000 10,000 you make a million 100,000, right? So the the principle is the same. It's according to your means. It's like you don't all give the same. As you make more, you give more. And that's kind of the principle here. And so, um, but he says, uh, and, and then in verse 12, he tells us why this is the principle. And so look at verse 12 on your note sheet. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't have. And so Paul is encouraging some of these believers. He says, I want you all to participate. And he says, I just want you to remember that God measures gif- giving differently. That as human beings, we tend to measure by the, uh, how much is given. God measures by how much it costs us to give. And so he's encouraging some of these people, hey, if the willingness is there, it doesn't matter how much it is, the amount, it's about how much you, you're giving? How much it costs? Great, great illustration of this. You remember that uh, Jesus is one day he's with his uh, he's with his men. Uh, they're at the temple complex in Jerusalem, which is huge—three football fields on a side, massive stone buildings. And, and they're there, and they're just kind of doing some people watching because there were no malls in those days. They would go to the temple, so uh, they're they're there at the they're there at the temple, and they're just kind of people watching. And there's an offering box there. They wouldn't pass it. There's a box. And different people are coming along, dropping in different amounts of money. And so some some big, some small. And all of a sudden this this woman comes. We find out later in the story that uh, they didn't notice at the time, but she's a she's a widow. We don't know if she's a 25-year-old widow or 50-year-old widow or 75. We don't really know. She's a widow. And so she comes and she just she's she's very poor. We're gonna find out. And she just drops a couple small coins. It's like uh, like like two of our pennies. And I don't know about you, but I, I, sometimes I even throw a penny. It's like, what do you do with pennies? They're so worthless, right, these days. What can you buy with a penny? And so they, he drops this couple small uh, copper coins in. And, and so Jesus all of a sudden says, stop the presses!" And he just, he just gathers, did you see what happened there? And they're like, like what? He said, that, that woman is the type of giver I want you to be. Like that woman is a model of generosity. And this is what I'm trying to do in your guys' lives. This is a teachable moment. Just see that. Just see what she did. And they're like, what? And then he said this very powerful thing there on your note sheet from Mark 12. He says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put what? More. More. Can we say it again? She's put more more into the treasury than all the others. And I'm sure at this point, they're kind of blown away. Like, what are you talking about? She's put in like, Two, two pennies, two dimes. Like, what, what are you talking about? And then he went on to say, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. And so here's what's important to catch. When God is watching our giving, right, we put that check in, we do that automatic online, he is measuring not how much we gave, but how much it cost us to give. And that gets tallied up in heaven in different. It's like a a money exchange rate, right? And and so when she puts in that small, it's just like the bank of heaven goes crazy. It's like ching, 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 ching. You know, it's like because she put in, it costs her so much. And, And let me tell you something. This principle then cuts both ways. Because for those of you, you're really struggling right? You're going through hard times right now. You're not making enough. You're barely, and, and so when it comes to giving, and I've talked to many of you, you'll come up and say, Mike, I, I wish I could give more. It's just hard right now. We're just so struggling, right? For those of you who are struggling, but you do what God puts in your heart to give, and you give, I, you know, God wants to encourage you that he is so blessed by that, right? And when anyone comes to me and shares that, I always tell them that. Hey, God measures different, if, this, if you're being obedient to what God has given, then, then God is, is, is blessed with that. Don't worry about that. Don't sweat with that. There are others here who have more now, and, and then God's going to call them to give more. You, you just give what he's calling you and to encourage them that God is so pleased with you. And, and, are, are you with me on this? And so, so on the one hand, it cuts that way, but on the other hand, it cuts the other way. Because one of those times in our life when we've been greatly blessed, right, and, and the blessings coming in, and God has really given us a lot, often we will give like our tithe and we think we're done, right? Because we thought, we, well, hey, I did what I was supposed to do. I was done. And like God's trying to tell you, no, I blessed you. And the reason I blessed you is to give you more, is to give more right? And so, and so as we go before him, some God may say to some, yeah, start with a 10. He may say to others, start with 20. I blessed you with more. So, so let me give you an example like, like, and I'm going to go beyond our scope here just because I don't want any of you to feel like I'm talking to you. But let's say that you made $10 million last year. All right? If you did, I'd like to see you after the service in my office because <laughs> I've got a few things in mind uh, as you follow God uh, and my suggestion. Uh, but let's say you, you made $10 bucks last year and you tithe on that. Uh, how much do you have left? Nine million, right? Or after taxes, maybe five. But uh, <laughs> but you have five million. Okay, you have five million left. All right, and so you've now you've tithed a million, and and that's a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah. Like like if you see someone and then it's like, and you find out that they gave a million dollars to Kingdom Ministry, I mean, you'd be impressed, right? That's a, that's a ton of money. But I want you to catch this: that God is blessed by that, but He measures it differently. He says, "I gave you ten million, right?" And, and so you gave me back one. You have nine million. I realize government's four, but you have nine million to live on, right? And so remember what Jesus said, he who is faithful in little is faithful in much. And he said, to whom much is given, much is required, right? And so I'll tell you something, this whole journey of generosity that, that we go on as a Christ follower, that it doesn't stop like at 10%. It's like we all we have belongs to him, and as he leads and as he blesses, many times we'll ask more. And some of my my heroes in this area of generosity would be a man like like say uh, 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 Rick um, Warren. Thank you, You're my big hero. Um, yeah, just can't remember his name. I' telling you, that's the other thing. Is medication you can't remember things, so it's like great. Uh, I'm already losing it. Uh, so, uh, anyway, yeah, Rick Warren, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, he wrote that a book, The Purpose Driven Life, that sold more copies than any book in history. And, and so he, you know, got a bazillion dollars from that. And here, here's what Rick did. He went before God and asked him what he wanted him to do with that money. And here's, God felt like, God, uh, he, uh, Rick felt like God was calling him to reverse tithe. And so what Rick does is he gives 90% of his income to the God kingdom work and he lives on 10%, you see? here's a man who's really understood. He's understood this principle that all I have, all all I have, and so we, God, what do you want me to do? And so as we wrap up today, I want to, I just want to do a quick review of some of the principles we've learned so far, if if we can do that, all right? Just kind of wrap, as followers of Jesus, this is what we learned last week and this week. Number one is that generosity is a gift. Yeah, there's no place for this in your notes. It was a late ad. But generosity is a gift that if you and I are going to grow and be like Jesus, it's because it's a result of the supernatural work of the Spirit in our life as we listen and follow. Remember, we learned that. Secondly, we learned that generosity is a test of whether we're serious about following Christ. If you, you say a Christ follower, it's not reflected in our checkbook, That we need to kind of go back and say, am I really serious about this? Third thing we learned is that the first step of generosity, give ourselves completely to God and then give us He leads. Uh, Fourth step is what we learned today is that we're going to give systematically and spontaneously. Both kinds of generosity wants to weave into our life. We should be known as generous people. Uh, Number five was proportionate giving. That as followers, we're going to give as he leads, but it will be according to our means. And finally, today, we learned that generosity is for our good. It's because God calls us that he has called us to give us the privilege of partnering with him in things that really matter and being part of what he's doing, and that as we give, we become like Jesus, so it's for our good, okay? So let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for uh, your word and how it leads us to life, and we want to be those people that run in the path of your commands, and God, I would pray right now over this congregation. God, I, I know that there's many people here that have truly surrendered to you in this area, and and they've really given to you and you're speaking to them and you're leading and, you, and you're so pleased with, with what's going on. But I know in a congregation of this size that for many of us there are spiritual strongholds that need to be broken here. That there are many of us here that, that money is an idol and so we'll, we'll, we'll come to church, well, we may even be in a life group, we may even serve. But this one here of our life we've always held out on you, that we've, we've really not surrendered. And, and that there is a, a different God on the throne. You're not truly our Lord, that there's a different God, and there's a spiritual stronghold. and the unseen realm, there's a demonic force that's kind of holding us back from really surrendering. And there's a lie, there's lies that are being told us about our future, what will happen if we surrender, uh, what will, will, the, will not be taken care of, what will not have what we need, we won't be happy. And there's a spiritual stronghold that needs to be broken. And so, God, we pray that today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will break through and you will set us free, that we would be a church that would say, I walk in freedom, for I have been, I follow the teaching of your precepts. And so, God, we pray you'd free us. We pray you'd use us. We pray for your name. We pray for your fame. We pray that this would be a church that we are known for our great generosity, that would not be just for here, for us, and what's happening, but as we give out to initiatives to the poor as we, as we reach out to the community, that we would be known for a church who truly loves people and loves God and it's demonstrated and proven by our generosity. And we pray this, that you would be Lord in Christ's name. And we pray, Father, that as we come now to our time of, of offering, we pray that, that truly we'd, you'd give as you lead. We pray that you'd use these gifts to unleash your movement, a movement of passionate Christ followers who are sold out to you. And we pray it in Christ's name, amen. Let's stand together as we worship. And if our God is for us, who can stand against against us? Amen, amen. amen. Hey, it's uh, so good to be with you today. We're going to continue and finish this uh, the series that we've uh, that we're in uh, the power of giving, uh, the power to give next week. And uh, Paul's going to take us into some really interesting territory. What one thing we haven't talked about in this series so far is God's promise to provide and to bless as we trust Him. And so next week, Paul's going to talk to us about. Uh, what do you call it? Sowing and reaping. That, that as, we, as we give, as God leads, how he will bless uh, and prosper us. And it's interesting because the twist on it is not so much that we can necessarily always increase our standard of uh, living, but we increase our standard of giving. So God will bless you so you'll always have everything you need to continue to be generous. And, and this lifestyle. And so it's, it's a great teaching. Uh, there's a lot more to it than that, but that, that's kind of uh, one of the main pieces. And so we're going to finish that next week. And then the following week, we're kicking off our new series. And so it's called, on the screen, The Power of Perspective. And you have these uh, invite cards inside of your program. And so these are one thing we're creating because you're out there, you're building relationships with people, uh, you're loving them well. Uh, as they learn about you, it's like, I want to know about your church, I you want to know about your Bible, I want to know about God. And, and they're, they're getting kind of hungry. This often a great tool to say, hey, why don't you come and join us? And it's interesting, we didn't do these cards for the power of giving, right? Because we <laughs> thought, like, we did not want non-believers. Welcome to church. Uh, we're going to talk about generosity for three weeks, like a worse nightmare. And so uh, we didn't do that. But this next series, uh, it was, this one's more of a believer series. But the next one, the power of perspective, changing the way you think. We're really going to talk, Paul talks about this battle for our mind, that when we come to Jesus, there's a battle for our minds and that that if we are going to learn to uh, to kind of follow Christ and be the people that he's called us to be, we have got to learn to change the way we think. And so uh, the, we're going we're to finish out the 2 Corinthians with this series, looking forward to it, and then the fall will be ready for the assignment. And so I uh, encourage you to stay tuned for all that. But until then, uh, may, may the God of Jesus Christ, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you this week. Uh, may the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, He became poor so that we through his poverty may become rich. May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit who ties us together as one church under his leadership. May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you this week as he unleashes new generosity in your lives. And and if there are any of you who are struggling with this whole area of surrender to Jesus, my prayer for you is that stronghold will be broken this week as you surrender to his leadership and you experience the freedom for which you were created that you would run into the future he has for you. God bless you guys. Love you. See you next weekend. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.